support for the Calcio Connection podcast is brought to you by our great friends at Manscaped. They are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. Manscaped is taking over the freaking world. They're now available in all of Europe, in all of Canada, which makes Jerry very happy, Australia, and New Zealand. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men and counting worldwide. So join the movement for all of your below-the-waist grooming needs. Europe and Australia are about to get less hairy. That's right, folks. If you live in the EU, you can now purchase Manscaped products. If you live there, you have gone years without using the right tools for the job. Jerry has heard my horror story before. Uh, This was 10, 11 years ago, Jerry. I'm not even sure if Manscaped existed at this time. I certainly didn't know about it. And I tried to use the same trimmer that I use on my beautiful head and on my beard downstairs on the peninsula south of the equator. And there was blood. There was a little crying on my part. I'm not ashamed to admit that. There was some screaming, and it was a terrible, terrible experience because they don't have the skin-safe technology, okay? Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team literally spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, and they have just released the new and improved Lawn Mower 3.0. And you've seen that thing, Jerry. You've used it. Uh, you know, uh, it, It's ceramic blade. It, it reduces the nicks and cuts. It really is a great piece of modern science. No, absolutely. It's the, the best time to use it is this come Sunday for Valentine's Day. Yes. You're- your, your lady no longer has to see that hairy bush. This is remember that, okay? She no longer has to smell that sweat from coming back from the gym or wherever the heck you came from or your, your late night uh, partying. But uh, you, you now got those uh, nice clean blades that are just meant for around the edges. You don't want to be using the same shaver that goes in your face. I said this before, and I'll say it again. Do you really want your sweaty balls in your face? Like, do you want to? Then your your, your girlfriend, your wife is kissing your sweaty balls. And she's like, why do you smell like sweaty balls? And you're like, well, I just shaved my face with the shaver that went down my crotch. Are you okay with that? And she'll be like, what the F, man? Like, it's just not right. It's not right for a woman to have to kiss you with sweaty balls. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't say it better myself. The third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade. It reduces grooming accidents thanks to, and this is trademarked, the advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. When we tell you this is premium, we mean premium. The battery life will last up to 90 minutes so you can take it on a longer shave. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. And one of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Let's not forget about the charging stand. You can show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you are listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience this firsthand for yourself. Jerry mentioned it. Valentine's Day is coming up. It is not too late, guys. If you order at manscaped.com or if you drop the hint to your significant other to order for you, you or her can get 20% off plus free shipping with our code CALCHO, C-A-L-C-I-O, like CALCHO Connection. Use our word CALCHO. You get 20% off and free shipping 
at manscaped.com. So get that 20% off and free shipping with the code calcio at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use our code calcio. We have your hookup and your balls will thank you. Hello and welcome into another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast. We are connecting with you, Italian football fans from all over the world. Uh, I got to tell you, we've had a lot of fun dialogue behind the scenes, Jerry and I, over the last few days. Jerry's a great sport, and I would like to say that uh, I, I would be the same. In fact, hey, it wasn't that long ago last season, um, you know, less than a year ago, Lazio got a big win over Inter. I'd, I'd like to say I was a good sport about that one. Jerry's been a really good sport about the game this past weekend where Inter did defeat Lazio 3-1 to at the Giuseppe Meazza and Inter do go top of the table since Milan fell to Spezia the same weekend. We also had uh, Juventus going down 1-0 to Napoli. We also saw Juve lose earlier today. We're recording this on Wednesday. Juve fell in the first leg to Porto in Champions League. Before we introduce our special guest for this episode, let me bring in my co-host Jerry Mancini. I'm Alex Dono and Jerry... Yeah, I know, obviously, it was, it was a really tough one for Lazio, and we're going to talk a lot about the game and how things went down on the pitch this past Sunday. But um, you still, man, you've got a lot to be to be happy about and proud of. Lazio had a six-game winning streak before this bump in the road. How are you doing today, man? Oh, fantastic. I, I am not bitter at all about the game. Um, those who are bitter are, are very blindsided. And I saw a few people were discouraged about the call on Wesley Hoot and how everything transpired. You know what? It's a tough decision. Yeah. You can say that he doesn't need to make the challenge. And if he doesn't make the challenge, he's not in that situation, but you got to be put in that place. And it's, it's very inches. Like it's, you got to make that call very quick and it's not, it's never easy. Um, I'm not going to take anything away. I would be more disappointed had Lazio showed up against Inter and, and didn't give that effort, that that performance that I was looking for. And even though they had lost 3-1, I thought that the, the, the approach was right. They attacked. They, they played very hard. Um, some of the decisions from Inzaghi were, were questionable. Um, bringing on Lucas Leva, taking off Lucas Leva at half, maybe that was a decision of his health and not being fully fit. Um, Wesley Hoot, I know that he was on a yellow. I would have preferred to keep him on till the end. I think that's the only decision I may think that he, he went wrong on. Um, I know you don't want to get a second yellow, but if you're down to nothing being down a guy ain't going to make a difference. Like, you're already behind the eight ball, so bringing in a guy like Parolo is not going to help you or, or yeah help any causes. You're already playing with a Cherby playing high up. Then you're going to start with Parolo playing high up as well. You're vulnerable in the back, and that's what happened in the third goal. So, you know what? Overall, great performance from Lazio. 100% effort. They show that they can play with the best teams this season, and, and performances like Sunday can go a long way to, to maybe solidifying a top four spot, and more importantly, 
building some confidence and knowing that maybe they can't defeat Bayern Munich come next weekend. Uh, sorry, next week, midweek next week. So a, a lot of a lot of positives out of this game. Well said. Hey, I, I want to pause real quick because I'm I'm hearing a little feedback. Do you hear that, Jerry? Yeah. Yeah. I I, I don't know, uh, D- David. That might be on your end. Are you on a, a phone or a computer? I'm on an iPad. Okay. Uh, would it be possible for you to uh, to mute when you're not talking? I think that might take care of it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So I think that'll work. I think that should work good. Um, so yeah. So just obviously, just try try to remember to unmute when we go to you. But I think if you mute when you're not talking, that'll probably take care of it. Cool. Cool. Um, Great. All right. Hold on. I'm going to continue here in three, two, and one. Really well said. Uh, really well said. And I want to get more into the match. Uh, we're really happy to bring in a special guest. You've seen his work, guaranteed. <laughs> if you're an Interista or if you enjoy reading about Inter, I guarantee you, you have read this man's work before. David McFarlane joins us from Serpents of Madonina. Uh, he does a really, really good job covering Inter, and and believe it or not, Jerry is even starting to do some writing for Serpents of Madonina. I'm, I'm gradually, I'm turning Jerry into an Interista. Like I, I am, I just like like uh like I've gone, and he's kind of turning me into a Lazio supporter as well. Like it, it's weird the way that we're rubbing off on each other. But I want to bring David McFarland and David. Uh, he joins us from the ATL Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you so much for joining us, man. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be on. Yeah, it's absolutely our pleasure. And let's start with with your take on the performance from Inter. I mean, it was a really, you know, I know that the final scoreline was three to one. I I was nervous for most of 90 minutes. I mean, obviously it was a relief when, uh, for, for me, you know, and for you, I'm sure, David, when when Lukaku scored that, or sorry, when Lukaku assisted Lautaro for the goal that made it 3-1, to because that happened only about three minutes after Lazio made it 2-1. to I was getting really, really tense at that point, because that was game on at that point. Lazio played really well. They had most of the possession. They had most of the ball in this game. Inter were able to just take advantage of more of their opportunities than Lazio was at the end of the day. So what were your big takeaways from the match, David? I was definitely nervous when that... Um... Set that Lazio goal went in because Inter had done so well, but then it almost went out the window. But I thought Inter played really well. They obviously got outpossessed by 65%, but Lazio only had two more shots in the whole game than Inter. And Inter, in fact, had seven shots on target compared to just six from Lazio. So I thought Inter was definitely the more dangerous side. And they were, they defended really well. And obviously Immobile and Alberto, they weren't on their A game. But I think a lot of that was due to how Inter defended and just kept Lazio out of dangerous situations in the final third. Yeah, you know, on that note, Jerry, um, like in, in my mind, you know, there's no question Romelu Lukaku was the man of the match. You know, that was, you know, really obvious. He he scored the penalty. Um, you know, he scored the second goal. And, and the second goal was a weird one, too. Uh, at, at the time when it was when it was scored, it was it was called offsides. And I thought, yeah, that that was offsides. And, and then you saw the replay, and it was it was a double whammy because not only, you know, not only was uh was Brozovic 
really not intending to pass it forward to Lukaku. It was it was going, you know, diagonally. It was going, I think, to Ivan Perisic, and then it faced a deflection off a Lazio player right to Lukaku. And so I thought, okay, well, it was a deflection, even though he was in an offside position. But then you saw the the VAR replay, and uh, and I think Lukaku was also onside by a step. So it, it was a good goal on two fronts, but just a fortunate bounce. Like, there's no question about it, right? And then, you know, you talked about the, the hoot penalty, which was very close. I mean, on that one, in live time, I wasn't sure, right? We had to go to, again, the VAR replay to see that, his back leg clipped Lautaro's leg before Lautaro took the shot. So we had to go to, to the forensic replay to see that it was, in fact, a pen uh, on, on what earned the Lukaku penalty kick goal. And then on Lukaku's second goal, I thought for sure that wasn't a good goal until you see the replay. So um, it, it, like there, there weren't any shenanigans. Like, you know, some people out there are kind of like saying, oh, what was that, officiating? I mean, no, I, I think the... I think the calls were right, Jerry. I just thought that it was a, a little bit of uh, a, a little bit of a couple of good bounces. That's one of the first things I said to you after the match was that Inter got a couple of good bounces and took advantage of their opportunities. But in addition to all that, Jerry, while Lukaku was clearly the man of the match, I thought Milan Skriniar was incredibly impressive. I mean, that was a vintage 2018 type of Skriniar game. He had a couple of huge tackles in the box. Yeah, you just took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say that Skriniar was the player of the game, not L- Romelu Lukaku. And the reason is that he had made a, a lot of key interceptions, key tackles that prevented Lazio into clear lanes into having a good chance of scoring. I know that in the first half, I think it's one nothing, and he stops Correa from breaking through, and he makes a well-timed challenge inside the box and doesn't commit a foul. And and that was just one instance where Skriniar was just well-positioned, very physical, and he stepped up on, on the Lazio forwards and didn't give them any time to make a decision or to have room to, to, to basically advance. So... I thought he was my uh, player of the game. And this is a guy who struggled last year to play in a back three and has always been accustomed to being in a back four. And I've been wanting to write about him for, I remember I I mentioned after the Roma game, I had talked to you about this. And I also thought that when, when Inter tied against Roma, he was their best player of that game too. And I remember he scored the winning goal, the tying goal, but it was just his overall play throughout the game where he looked very comfortable and playing more as a natural center back in a back three now, as opposed to two seasons ago where he was custom playing in a back four. And he, what I wanted to write was about, and I haven't got to it yet, but I do plan on writing this, is that how he's been the most improved player under Conte and how he has been able to transition Skriniar to be able to play in a back four or back three now. And that is a a massive boost for Inter if they ever decide to change their shape in a back line against opposing teams. So, and and credit to Conte again. This is a guy who's gotten the most out of Barella, um, has has restructured, re-brought Lukaku back to life. Um, has brought in Sanchez over and has really been a good depth player for this team. And, and people say that Conte is a very bad coach. He's not the guy for Inter. Um, I don't agree. I, I know that 
people are going to say, well, A, B, and C got trophies before Conte did. And, yeah, okay, that's that's fair. But at the same time, Conte is, is a long-term manager where he's trying to set out for, for the foreseeable future. That's not he's not just coming in to win a Coppa Italia and say see you later. There's a there's a start to end with Conte. It doesn't just happen overnight where he just comes in and his philosophy comes and just adapts. This guy needs time to instill his philosophy. And now you're starting to see everything put together. You're starting to see Ericsson now play in the midfield and, and has really played that that regista kind of role where I was reading an article from about from from Mario where he he writes about how he's been so heavily on Ericsson since he arrived and he's always backed him up but now he's explaining how it took him a while to to transition into that role but now that Conte wasn't in that wasn't managing that game against Benevento where he's always been hounding Erickson, that one game where he was able to play loose and not have someone on his back may have given Conte that that belief again that he he is that guy who could play in that midfield behind uh, Brozovic. So um, I think that Conte is doing something right here. And I do believe that they can win the Scudetto. This is the team you have to watch out for, not Milan. This is the Inter. Inter is the Lazio of 2019-20 where they don't have anything to play for. They got the week of rest. They have the time to... Talk. Conte had a week to prepare for that Lazio game. Um, Inzaghi was probably thinking already about Champions League two weeks in advance in his mind, thinking, how do I approach the Inter game, followed by Sampdoria, and then right after, I got Bayern Munich as well. And people say, he's not looking out two weeks out. Trust these guys are thinking two games out where Conte doesn't have to think about that. Now, I'm not a manager, so I wouldn't know 100%. But overall, I think that Conte is going to be the hardest manager to, to compete against because now he has so much time tactically to think about what he needs to do game in and game out. And, and come Sunday, Milan is in a lot of trouble, I think, personally. Well, I, we're gonna we're gonna get to that. Um, I, I wanna I wanna save that for a little later because uh, Jerry Jerry touched on something that I definitely want David's take on. Christian Eriksen. Um, you know, I, th- th- there's an expression that gets thrown out a lot after transfer windows close, and Inter did not bring anybody in in the January transfer window. But then, oftentimes, you have somebody who kind of you know whether they're coming off of injury or in Eriksen's case just kind of being reinserted in the squad where the Italians will say, oh, this is like a new signing, right? I mean, it's it's been a, a whole different uh, February for Christian Eriksen when you compare it to the last several months. So what's been your take, David, as to how Christian Eriksen has been able to become an impact player now for Conte in recent weeks? It's definitely a huge um, upgrade and surprise for us that he's doing so well. And I think it really came from that free-kick winner against Milan. I don't think Conte subbed him in. I think he came in in the 88th minute. So not even like an earlier sub. It was He was just throwing everything he could at Milan. And it just ended up working out in an incredible way. So I think that really boosted his confidence. And Conte, once he saw that, he decided to trust Ericsson more 
and against Benevento, he played freely. And then I thought Lazio actually might have been his best game yet. He wasn't spectacular like against Milan, but consistently he played a big role in Inter's build-up, and he was always looking confident and dangerous on the ball. And I think he can be a huge weapon if utilized correctly. And that third spot in Inter's midfield has never been set. Gagliardini has shortcomings that we all know of. And Vidal has struggled with injuries and up and down form. So if Ericsson can be consistently good, that third starting role is his to claim to. That's really well said. And... Um, and I actually think that Erickson is also doing his part off the pitch. You know, I know that people can like downplay this, but the guy's learning Italian finally. Like he's actually like speaking some Italian in interviews post match. And so you're you're really actually getting the sense that um and I don't know I don't know what happens beyond this season. Like I, I can't guarantee you that Erickson stays around over the summer. He could end up getting, you know, sold somewhere for all we know. I think there's still a decent chance of that, but I do see a guy who's making the most of his situation, right? He, he may have been hoping to leave in January. You know, it, Conte was hoping to get rid of him in January, but just it didn't work. The COVID economy, the high wages, they they couldn't find a buyer. They only probably had a, some clubs offering like loans, like, oh, give him to us on a free loan. And it just, it didn't work out. And I think Erickson realizes, you know what? I'm, you know, for lack of a better word, stuck here for another several months. Let me make the most of my opportunity, right? If I actually can come out here and help this team win something and have a good attitude about it, the manager might be forced to play me at some point, which is happening now. And he seems to be embracing it. And I thought that David made the best point because it all started with that free kick goal in the Milan Derby in Coppa Italia because Erickson's body language has looked night and day since that goal, Jerry. I mean, he scored on that free kick, and I saw the guy smile for the first time in like six months. Like, I don't think I'd seen him smile since before the pandemic started. And ever since then, like, he's actually acting like he's someone who's proud, you know, to play for Inter. And I don't blame him if he wasn't prior to that, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not saying, oh, he's finally proud to be with Inter is some sort of a diss because this was a guy who was never really welcomed by his manager. So I could understand why he wouldn't be happy at Inter. But ever since that free kick goal, uh, you know, he's, he's working a lot harder. I think he's understanding the tactics of Italian football a little bit more. You know, he's tracking back. He's running a lot. He's playing a little bit more box to box. I've been really impressed, Jerry, by what I'm seeing. I think it, it was a moment that kind of lifted that barrier and, and gave him some confidence and started to believe in himself again. Um, similar instances, a guy like Wes, I'm sorry, like uh, Vidat Marici, where yeah. he he looked very weak, lost confidence, and and when he came in against Inter, I thought that in the short twenty minutes he came in, he looked he looked good. Um, a lot of people were saying that maybe he should have started the game against Inter. I, I personally don't think so. I, I saw one guy wrote, I would have started Vidat Mariki over Immobile. And I was like, are you kidding me? I take Immobile with one leg over Vidat Mariki in any game, but that's just me. But there's a similar instance is that a goal can lift your, your, your morale, can give you that confidence that you've been missing for so long. And 
since that game, he looks much more confident um, that comes with playing time. And he's been seeing his role increase. And maybe he's had a talk with um, with Antonio Conte and has accepted this role and maybe has accepted that, okay, I'm here till June or May, until May, and I have nowhere to go. So I either embrace my new role, try to adapt, earn the respect of my manager, or I sit on the bench and I, and it just doesn't work out. I personally think there was a mutual understanding and agreement within the, the dressing room or within the office between him and Conte and the staff where he has accepted a new role and Conte has embraced the second chance. Um, he, I don't think Conte just puts him out on the field just like that overnight. Even when he wasn't managing, I think there was maybe some communication between his assistant and, and himself communicating what would be done with Erickson. Like, even when Conte is not managing, I'm pretty sure his 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 staff members are are communicating with what they plan to do, what kind of approach they're going to go on. He's not going to go blindsided, and he sees uh, ABC going on. He's like, "Well, why are those guys going out?" I, I I'm pretty sure that there's a kind of a a, a good. Well, I, I don't know how you want to say it, like a, a mutual understanding between him and his staff when he's not on the field and when he's he's um, serving a suspension. So, and that there's been factors that we may have not seen or known of what has helped Erickson lift his um, confidence. And you know what, whatever Conte has done good for him, because it seems as if he, he may have turned a, a corner here, a, a new kind of um, kind of, a new kind of content. Maybe we don't, we're not used to where he he doesn't like to let things slip and he his he he can be very stubborn that's the word mm-hmm. and i i i do believe the the reason why Erickson is playing better is all because of Conte um i i think that deep down Erickson doesn't just go on the field and lifts himself out of nowhere there there there's communication within the office where somehow Conte finally lifted his barrier and said, okay, I need to work with this guy. I need him now. Uh, I got Vidal hurt. Um, Sensi is made of glass. Uh, <laughs> he, he's probably, he's now realizing that Gallardini is just a workhorse and can't provide more than what he has offered. Um, and, and he he looks down the pecking order now and says, hey, I need to use Erickson. I don't have a choice here. Um I got injuries. I got players who just can't stay fit. What do I do? He brings in Erickson, and Erickson starts to change things around, and it's helped since then. I mean, at this point, um, I certainly trust Erickson more as the third midfielder than Arturo Vidal. You know, mm-hmm. so if if Erickson can keep up this form, um, v- Vidal might find himself on the bench once he's completely fit again. I mean, the, the reason why we've seen Erickson a lot these last couple games is because Vidal has not been fit, but I think Erickson has earned his spot in the starting 11 at this point. And, and if he can keep up form like he's on right now, Erickson, this is going to remind me a lot of Marcelo Brozovic three years ago. January of 2018, 
uh, Brozovic was was on his way out on loan, right? He had had a really bad first, you know, four or five months, whatever it was, under Spalletti. Spalletti was trying to use him as a trequartista, and it just didn't work. Like, uh, and and the fans despised Brozovic at this time. He was getting whistled at and jeered, and, and he was unhappy, wasn't really playing well. And they were going to loan him to Sevilla. Like, they had the deal basically set to loan Brozovic to Sevilla. And then at, you know, the last minute, this was a January transfer window, Spalletti was like, wait, you're not bringing me a replacement. Like, no, I, I need to veto this move. You can't send away one of my midfielders on loan when you're not bringing anyone else in. So Spalletti stepped in and stopped the move. So he was stuck with Brozovic. Brozovic was stuck on Inter. And then Spalletti figured out, I can play this guy at Regista and he can actually contribute. And he had a really, I mean, some of the best football I've ever seen Brozovic play was between February to May in 2018. Like he, you know, I, I was so pumped about the guy. I bought a Brozovic jersey that summer. I was so excited about the way that he was playing. And, you know, he, he ended up, of course, re-signing with Inter, and then he's here three years later still. I I don't know if the Erickson story is going to end that way, but at least for the next, you know, uh, for the next three months, February to May, I would love to see Erickson keep up that kind of form uh, any any parting thoughts, uh, David, on Inter's three one win over Lazio? If you have anything else to uh, to add on Ericsson, also I think we should talk a little bit more about Romelu Lukaku because he had he had a fantastic game. Yeah, I think Lukaku's big game in a massive game like this one was very needed. Obviously, he's been struggling recently with fatigue after playing so many minutes in such a, such a short period of time. So I think showing up like he did on Sunday is going to be huge for Inter. And I think now that he has a whole week off before the Milan Derby Sunday, I think we'll see Lukaku back to his best. Yeah, amen to that. Hey, uh, Jerry, um, you know, we're going to do another episode later this week to talk a little bit more about Lazio Samp because uh, that's going to come before Champions League for you. It's going to be, you know, Lazio is going to play Bayern the first leg next week. Is that, Jerry's the first leg, is that in uh, in Munich or, or in Rome? Do you know? It's in Rome. It's first in Rome? On Tuesday, yeah. Yeah, the first leg is in Rome, and then the second leg... Is it another two weeks after that in Byron? It doesn't really matter where the heck it is at this right. point. Um, I don't even know if they're going to play in Byron because of the whole lockdown thing and not allowing. Oh, really? Well, I know that two of the games have been rescheduled outside. They're not playing in Germany. I, I believe uh, Leipzig and uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach are playing outside of Germany, mm. somewhere else. I don't know. Exactly. I, I think that's because um, I, I think that's because of England. I think that's if one of the teams is from England. I think there's like a traveling issue. Okay. Sure. Okay. I think that's what it is. Because yes, they, they, they have that crazy uh, strain of COVID nineteen. They've got that like super aggressive strain. They don't want people traveling. Okay. That's probably why then. But yeah, I think it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a doozy, man. I think it's gonna be closer than uh, when people think it is. Because uh, what's his name? Uh, I had Capello and uh, Costa Corta Costa. Were oh saying- yeah, I saw that. Yeah, Costa Corta and uh, Fabio Capello. I saw those today. That they that they thought Lazio actually has a shot. Yeah, they they believe that Lazio have a shot at Bayern. 
Munich, and they got some notable injuries. Like Thomas Mueller is not going to be playing in the first leg. Um, Gnabry's out. I saw another player today who has COVID for Bayern. They have some significant injuries, and they just tied against Armenia, which is like a relegation team, 3-3 on on Monday. Wow. I didn't realize that. (laughs) Yeah. They have dropped. So Capello said a good point. Their defense has not looked as good as it did last season. And if Lazio plays on the counter, they can really hurt them, in in my opinion. Um, I think that's what what Simone Inzaghi is going to strive for. I think he's going to try to attack them on the counter because Byron likes to play very high up. And and they're, they're, they're very aggressive with their back line. So I think a team like Lazio can really catch them off guard in a 3-5-2. And I I know that their last loss was against Borussia Mönchengladbach, and they deployed a 3-5-2 against uh, Byron, and it, and it kind of hurt them throughout the game. Nice. So yeah. I like that. That's a good tidbit. So, so that that is something to look at. Um, if if I want to be realistic here, I do believe that. Lazio will probably not make it through. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to be. I don't want to go in thinking that they're going to win it because the odds are very steep. Um, if they win, I'd be happy. But I do believe that it won't be as bad as maybe some think. I think it's going to be a very very tight contest, and I feel that Lazio may actually lose, feeling unfortunate. That's yeah. that's how I see this one going. That and it's gonna hurt, but that's how Lazio loses. Um, I don't remember the last time. The last time Lazio lost by two goals, other than this past Sunday, was um, I think it was like a while back against Undinese when they lost three one. They haven't lost a lot of games this year where more than two goals. So they they've been very close in their in their losses or wins. So. This is a team that doesn't get blown apart, nor do they beat teams up. So that's how I see it going. And I, I, I would love to see Lazio pull it off. I would love it. I'm not expecting it. Um, I would love nothing more, man. And, uh, you know, to be honest, I, I still think Juventus are going to end up going through despite dropping the first leg to Porto 2-1. to one. That away goal was massive. Like, I, I know that... I know that Juventini are really pissed that they lost the match, and they're they're really pissed that Ronaldo wasn't awarded a penalty. Um, but I, I think that that away goal from Chiesa to me is going to be the difference uh, because I, I think Juve is going to be able to grind out a victory in Torino, and they're they're going to get through. I think it's going to be really rough and tumble, but I think because because uh, Porto can defend. If Porto decide to put eleven men behind the ball, it's not going to be easy to break them down. But I do think Juventus are going to get through. Uh, I I give Atalanta a. I know you don't want to hear this, Jerry, but I give Atalanta a decent shot against Real Madrid because that squad is just decimated. Like I, I really, I really give Atalanta a decent shot. I mean, uh, D- David, do you have any thought on uh, on Champions League for these Italian teams? Uh, and I know that you and Jerry both watched more of the Juve, uh, the Porto Juve match than I did. I, I, I was watching it in the background while I was at work. I personally, I. I don't really see what all the fuss was about on that on that pen. I thought Ronaldo was already going on the potential pen. I thought Ronaldo was already going down, you know, before he even got touched there. But uh, I mean, w- what do you think about all that, David? Yeah, and that was definitely not a foul for me. 
the contact from the Porto defender was not what made Ronaldo fall. And they would have been so soft if it had been given. And I, I'm definitely interested to see Lazio and Atalanta. Obviously, Madrid and Bayern are the teams you would expect to go through. But I give the two Italian clubs a good shot at going through, I think. They're going to need some luck because, on paper, Madrid and Bayern definitely have the better team. But, I mean, it's in a two-legged game when you have the injuries that Madrid does or the defensive concerns that Bayern does. Lazio and Atalanta can definitely cause some damage to those clubs. And I think... For Lazio, I think shutting down Lewandowski is going to be the biggest thing. Because though Bayern can't really defend as well, they sure can score. And I think the matchup between Immobile and Lewandowski is going to be fascinating. And whichever one of those two is on their A game, I think their team is going to go through. And then Atalanta... They've definitely been up and down since Papu Gomez left. They don't have the same type of game changer that the Argentine was. But Pessina, Zapata, Mordiel, and Ilicic, they've all stepped up. But they're definitely going to need some wizardry from Ilicic if they want to go through. I think it's a good shout. Um, and, and uh, And Jerry, he makes a good point about Lewandowski as well, that, uh, you know, the, the the battle of the forwards, you know, Chido Immobile is going to need to step up big because uh, you know that Lewandowski can score any second. Just the margins, when you go up against a team like Bayern, even if you can score a couple of goals, uh, just the margins defensively are so slim because that team can put up five goals in their sleep if you're not on your A game, right? I mean, if if Lazio can defend at their best, and if the the three five two can throw them off a little bit, but mm. if Lazio are not at their best, like Bayern is capable of scoring five goals uh, just in in a heartbeat, no problem. I I agree. And in order to shut down Lewandowski, Acherbi has to play in the center. And yeah. we we saw what happened against Inter when he played on the left side and. I, I do like when he plays on the left against more of the weaker opponents where he can exploit a more not as stable offense and penetrate an easier defense where against Inter doesn't suit him. A guy like Lukaku, okay, we'll compare Lukaku to Lewandowski and you, you take out a Cherby in the middle. Who's covering Lukaku? Well, it's Hoot. Do I like the matchup? No. Do I like the matchup with Hoop versus Hakimi now on the outside? No, but I think that if he is to get beat on the outside, he's got support on the in, in the middle where right. Chirpy can back him up as well. So there and and as well on the outside, you can pair him down with Marisic on the left side as well. So there's support on the left where in the middle he doesn't have the support. And that's where Cherby has to go in the middle against Lewandowski now. We can't make the same mistake twice. Um, that, that's how I see the back three being of Hoot on the left, Musacchio on the right, and you're going to have uh, a Cherby slotted into the middle. 
I do not want to see Patrick start in the Champions League. I, I think that he should start this Saturday in Sampdoria. Yeah. Um, I know that Musacchio is still not 100% fit. Not, not that he's injured. It's just that he hasn't had a lot of time to train coming back from an injury. I know that Inzaghi's really taking a safe, precautious approach with Musacchio. He's got to be careful because now the problem is Stefan Radu is a game-time decision because he has like a hernia injury, um, pretty severe injury he has, and, and he could need uh, surgery and be shut down for quite a while. Luis Felipe is not back until the end of March. And so the, the options are limited, and this is a game you do not want to see Marco Parolo play in the back three. So That's for sure. So um, this coming weekend, we'll, we'll decide basically how he approaches next week. And this weekend, I see Parolo actually playing in the back three against Sampdoria. Um, Hoot is suspended, and... Um, Radu is not fit to play on Saturday. So that's going to force a Cherby to play on the left, Hoot to play in the middle. And I would the option of Patrick or Musacchio to put not Hoot in the middle. My apologies. Parolo in the middle. Mm. And then Patrick or Musacchio to play on the right. I would prefer Patrick to play against Sampdoria, even though he was not good this past weekend against Inter. Um Sometimes you, you just got to play with what you're forced with. And on Saturday, that, that's the hand that's dealt for Lazio. Um, you got Lazio, who's also suspended. So it, it's a very difficult situation for Inzaghi. Marisic will be placed on the right. Fadis will place on the left. I was asked on Twitter if I, if I see Sena Lulic playing maybe instead of Fadis. I don't see it yet. Um, I think that Lulic is at the point right now where he can give you 20 minutes off the bench. I don't think he has enough to give you more than that. Maybe half an hour tops. But you're going to see Fadis. He can give you up to 60 minutes, even 70. And then come off the bench, you'll see Sena Lulic play on the left side. And in the middle, I would prefer to see Luis Alberto take a rest. Coming back from surgery, um, he's not 100% fit. Especially that he had came quicker than than expected to play for uh, against Atalanta two weeks ago. So, and Malinkovic Savage will once again play. This guy's made of uh, I don't know steel for the amount of minutes <laughs> he's been playing. And I see Lucas Leyva not playing either this Saturday. I see Escalante being drawn in, and Leyva will use the extra rest to be ready against a formidable Bayern Munich side. And then up top, I, I want to say that Immobile is not going to play, but I see him playing up top with Caicedo. I see Correa being the odd man out. So that's that's my starting 11 along with Reina. But, and then I say this because the this starting 11 is very will, will have a major effect on how Lazio approaches come Tuesday now. Uh, I know that Serie A is a, is a priority, but... You need to rotate your squad. And if you don't rotate, yep. even if, if it's two extra games of Champions League, first off, you need a healthy squad in Champions League. You don't want to just go in and look like ducks. And secondly, you, you, you want squad balance because 
even when you, you exit from the Champions League, if you don't make it out, you still have a, a good, what, I would say 15 games remaining, say, in the mm-hmm. season. And that is a big chunk of what is remaining in the in the rest of your season. And what will happen if you're able to finish in a top four spot or at least top six, you, you, you still want to finish in Europa, if anything. Any money is better than no money. So, yeah. So uh, that's how I see it. Um, we'll see if Inzaghi hears me. He's listening. Uh, I was going to take all Immobile for Saturday because I know that he's not 100% fit either. He's been nursing a, 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 like a leg injury. It, it flares up, he said. He's gone on the record saying that it flares up and it's something they've been monitoring for the last uh, while. But um, I think that Immobile will probably start because... Inzaghi can't bench a whole squad, obviously. So I think he's, there's going to be key players that he'll have in the lineup, and we'll see what happens. Good stuff. Uh, so I, I want to spend the last portion of this episode giving our advanced thoughts on the Derby de la Madonina coming up this Sunday between Inter and Milan. Um, now, first of all, um, a, a big advantage that Inter have in this game is the fact that Milan, you know, have to play in Belgrade on Thursday in Europa League, whereas, you know, we've talked about it for weeks now. At what point does Inter's advantage, quote-unquote advantage, and I say that, you know, in air quotes, because as an Interista, I'd love to be playing European football. Like, I'm not I'm not happy they're out of Champions League, right? I mean, I'd, I'd love to still be, you know, talking about Champions League football, but, you know, uh, I guess the uh, you make the most of it. You turn your your chicken shit into chicken salad, and so Inter now has an opportunity to focus on Serie A, where they do currently have a one point lead, and they're taking on the team that's been it had been in first place for most of the season, the team that they just overtook this past weekend. It's your city rival. You know, Milan have the disadvantage of having to play a Europa League fixture. You know, abroad uh, three days, really less than three three days before this game. Uh, so hopefully, uh, at least hopefully from my perspective, I know the Milanisti listening feel differently, uh, but hopefully Inter are able to take advantage of that. As far as the starting 11, I don't see any reason to change it uh, from this past Sunday against Lazio, assuming everyone's fit. Um, you know, obviously you want your best defense, your best back three. It's Devray, Bastoni, uh, Skriniar, who just had, I, I thought, his best game of the season against Lazio this past week. It'll be nice heading into a Milan derby without Kolarov because he started in the two previous derby derbies this season at left center back, and and the guy is a human turnstile at this point, unfortunately. Um, and yeah, I would keep uh, Ivan Perisic at left wing back. I thought that he he proved that he's in a good run of form, right? And I know as far as Perisic goes, that good run of form can end at any time. We know that, but I I would continue to ride the hot hand because uh, Ashley Young has not been good this season. Perisic lately, at least, has been better. Obviously, you go Hakimi on the right, uh, you know, and and his uh, his matchup uh, on the right side is is always going to be interesting. Going up against Teo Hernandez at uh, left fullback for Milan, uh, I would keep the midfield the same. I know that uh, if Arturo Vidal is fit, Conte might be tempted to start his guy, but I think Christian Eriksen deserves another crack there. You know, Brozovic and Barella I expect to be the other two, and then your top front two, of course, is going to be. Romelu Lukaku and uh, Lautaro Martinez. Something I cannot wait for, David, is just the looks we're going to get 
between Lukaku and Zlatan, right? Because the last time these guys went head to head, it uh, it turned into a situation. There were some extracurriculars. So, you know, not that they're going to be man marking each other too often, but Lukaku and Zlatan, just whatever interactions they have on the pitch are going to be a lot of fun. Do, do you agree with me, David, that the starting 11 is probably going to be unchanged or would you make any changes here? Yeah, I'm loving the battle between Lukaku and Zlatan. I think it's providing some life to the game. And without fans, you know, it's just not the same intensity and the same emotion. But that was changed. And if you haven't seen it already, there's a mural of the two headbutting each other outside the San Siro. So I recommend looking that up if you haven't. And as for the starting 11, I, I agree with Alex and it should be unchanged. The two biggest question marks against Lazio were Perisic and Eriksen, and actually both of them were some of the better players on the pitch Sunday, so that really surprised me, and I would reward them both with another start. And I think yeah. Perisic, I mean, left wing back has been a problem for a while now, and I think it's going to be a lot, a problem in the summer too, but I think Perisic can do well enough for the rest of this season. I think, obviously, Young he had a good twenty nineteen twenty. He's fallen off. Darmian has been good. I, I think Perisic offers more than him, but on the other hand, Darmian is very low risk. But with a Derby. I think Perisic, it's the start. It's yeah. definitely the biggest game of enter season. Yeah, I mean, and, and we think about it, uh, how long it's been, you know, since uh, Inter and Milan were the top two going head-to-head in a derby. It's it's really exciting. Um, I, I'd love to get the neutral perspective, Jerry, as we, we've certainly, you and I have had a lot of fun over the last couple of seasons together covering Rome derbies, Milan derbies. This is, uh, you know, this is going to be the biggest one in recent memory, uh, at least between these two sides. What are you thinking heading into Sunday? Um, I agree. First off, you have to keep the same lineup. Don't break what what has worked. Um, that That's the first thing. And David said a good point. Good show about Perisic, and I thought that Perisic had a really good game against Lazio as well. And he wasn't more offensively in the game, but what was more, what probably impressed Conte is that his defensive minded, how he was able to defend against Lazio and, and really didn't give him much to play down that wing. Um, that was the intriguing part because I thought that Hikimi and Lazzari were two of the worst players in that game. Neither neither player made an impact. They were the most talked about. Imagine if they were to play on the same wing and then what would it look like? And at the end of the day, neither looked pretty fast throughout the course of the match. They didn't really impose any threat down the, uh, down the flank. So... I thought that Perisic held his own against a very speedy Lazzari and the fact that he's really adjusted as well. Someone, Another player who's not an actual natural wingback and more of a wingman 
and he's shown to to really adjust to his new role this season. Prior to when he went to Bayern Munich, he was really struggling and, and didn't he didn't find a uh, a place under Conte. I think he played what for half season last year before he was sent on loan in in the winter or. Was, if no, he actually didn't even he... make it to the season. It was it was like late in the summer transfer window because Conte tried him in the in the preseason 2019. Uh, Conte tried him out at wing back, and he even said, and, and we know how Conte can be brutally honest in his he, in his news conferences. This guy doesn't hold anything back. He basically said, like, no, this guy can't play this position. Like he he can't he can't play in my formation. So they loaned him out to Bayern, and of course, you know, this past summer. Uh, Bayern was, I think they were like only 1 million euros off from, uh, redeeming him, which is crazy. Like, and it's one of the reasons why like Bayern is arguably the best run club in Europe. Right. And, and, uh, a good friend of mine who I, I want to get on the pod soon, especially since lots of you are going to be playing Bayern soon. Uh, a good friend of mine is, uh, he's the president of a Bayern fan club in, in Miami and he is. Uh, he's obviously a, a hardcore Bayern supporter, but he's also a really, you know, rational, rational guy. He's not like a, a super biased guy or anything. But, you know, he he and I were talking a lot last summer during the negotiation, right, for Bayern to redeem Perisic. And it really did come out, come down to them being like one million away from meeting Inter's valuation. And they just said, no, thanks. We're going to send him back. But it's like, you know how how shrewd they are in doing business like that is one of the reasons why that club is is just so in good shape financially, right? They're they're frugal, but they're very smart. Like they're very smart the way they evaluate players, and they don't they don't overpay for anybody. Bayern. So, uh, but still, at the end of the day, my friend and I we talk all the time about this. He actually misses Perisic, so and, and we talk a lot because you know Perisic is in a good run of form right now, but overall for the last couple of seasons. Uh, you know he's not really been uh, been that great to Inter, so it's like Inter wanted to get rid of him. Bayern wanted him. Perisic probably would prefer to be a Bayern because there's a natural spot for him at left winger because he's more of a winger than he is a wingback. So uh, all parties could have benefited from Bayern redeeming him, right? Perisic would have benefited. Bayern would have benefited. Inter would have benefited. But Bayern is the type of club that if you're even one million off on a valuation, they're not going to budge. So. We are saying was that Perisic was never really part of the plans this season, and was forced to be inside in into Conte's plans because they couldn't loan him out. Probably right. Yeah, I think what it? what happened was probably I, I think if they could have signed one of the other left wing backs they wanted, like if they could have signed like uh, one of the two guys from Chelsea because Conte loves you know Palmieri and Alonso. If they could have signed one of those guys, then they probably would have shipped. Perisic out but since they couldn't really bring anybody in they just said you know what we need a backup left wing back right a backup to Ashley Young and hey it's kind of working out that they kept him so good on Perisic then for accepting his role and and adapting and, and another player like Skriniar who has really shown that he can play as a wingman or as a, a wing back so that that's uh, a lot of credit to him so I I Come Sunday, I really do believe that Milan's going to struggle. Their their match in the Europa League is going to take a toll on them. Anybody who thinks that they're going to not approach that game and not care to to win, they are really stupid because no one in the right mind 
approaches a game to lose and thinks about the next game, even though it's a derby. Milan, they're professionals, so no one wants to lose. If if you guys think that Milan's thinking right now, we're going to tank it tomorrow, we're only focused for the Milan Derby on Sunday, no, not a chance. Because when they're on the field, they're thinking about winning that game to, to advance the next round. Um, I think it all comes down to how Pioli tactically approaches their Europa League game and coming on two days rest afterwards, it, it all depends who he starts tomorrow. I, I think that you'll see a mix of some starters with some bench players being in the mix. Um, I think that the, the, the cards, it, it's, it's enters to take. If they're to lose, they lose because they don't approach the game in the right manner and they don't come tactically prepared. Um, I think Conte is going to go all out on this game. He knows that this is either make or break. And to me, I I just can't see how Inter loses this game. I personally don't see it. I think if if they lose this game, it probably means Laton is scoring twice, if not if not a hat trick. I think that's how they lose. That's the only way. I just think that they they got more strength all around. You know what I mean? And uh, I, I know that Milan has bodies back, but they're not fully fit. And that's another thing people have to take into consideration. These players need time to, to get back into the lineup. And I know David wanted to say something. Go ahead, David. Yeah, I think if Inter lose, it's going to be because similar to the Juventus game in the Coppa Italia, it's going to be because they beat themselves. It's going to be because of a mistake that they make. And that's going to be the main thing. If if Inter plays a smart game, if they don't make any silly mistakes, I think they can get the three points. I think they're going to find the gaps in Milan's defense. And I think on paper, they have a much better team, especially coming in off a full week of rest. That's going to, So that's going to be the main thing. No silly mistakes. Because that really costed them against Juventus. I, I want to close out, guys, with uh, with score predictions. And I'm God. I'm going to try to stay consistent because I know Jerry and I are doing at least one more episode this week. So I don't want to give you one score prediction today, then give another one the next day. I'll I'll start with you, David. Uh, another Derby de la Madonina on Sunday. Uh, do you, who do you see pulling it out, and what score do you see? I think, well, as I said before, this is definitely the biggest game of Inter's season. And if they don't get the full three points, that win against Lazio won't mean much at all. So this is a crucial win. And I think they'll come out on top three to one. And I think it's going to be a close game for much of it. But I think Inter is going to pull away late on with Milan showing tired legs. And I'll go with a uh, Matador Grace and a uh, Lukaku goal, and maybe a couple of Ericsson assists too. That would definitely make for a nice Sunday morning. I like that. And yeah, Jerry, be ready for that one because it's a 9 a.m. start time in the Eastern time zone. I would imagine that has a lot to do with 
maximizing Asian viewership. I, I think that's I, I can't think of any other reason because usually like you would think from an Italian perspective, you would put the biggest game on 845 Italian time, which is 245 where we are in, in North America. But I think in this case, like for for a game like this, they, they really want to get people in in China tuned in. Uh, so I think that's the reason why they do this at a 9 a.m. start time. But, yeah, what are you thinking, Jerry? I'll get your score prediction next. Who do you see pulling it out, and, uh, and what do you think the score is going to be? I see Inter winning this game 2 nothing. I'll go. And I'm going to go from unlikely goal scorers. I don't think Lukaku is going to score in this game. I will go from a Perisic goal where it will he'll score a goal out of like, nowhere, and I'll go with Skriniar. Scoring on a set piece. That's I like what it. I see. Um, I, I, I think that Conte has his goal set out. And anybody who's not a Juventus fan or a Milan fan should be cheering for Inter to win the Scudetto. Because no other team, realistically, other than these three teams I just mentioned, have a chance to win the Scudetto. Atalanta is not going to win it because they're so inconsistent. Roma, because they can't beat the top six. Exactly. I, I keep on forgetting Roma's up there. Those yeah, they're third place. You forget because they, they don't beat anybody good, but they're in third place. It's a goddamn problem. I don't I don't, I don't trust Roma. <laughs> and now I, I actually want to see how Roma does with Europa League midweek and how they balance their squad out and if they're able to manage it this time again with, with more difficult competition. But that's a whole different topic. And Napoli is just depleted with injuries. I don't think that not Lazio is equipped. People were thinking, had they beaten Inter, they were going to win the Scudetto. You guys are on freaking crack. I don't know what the hell you guys are smoking because this team is equipped good enough for a fourth spot. I've been saying that since the beginning of the season. I stand by my word. I still think this team has the ability to finish in a fourth spot. And cheer for Inter because the league needs a new champion. Conte needs to rub it in everybody's face, and it w- would be amazing to see my article come through and just prove me right that Conte was here for one reason, to bring a Scudetto back to the San Siro. So and I always believe that this guy can do it. A lot of people shit on him. Um, I don't think he's a bad manager, and it'd be nice to see him win it personally. Yeah, and and it's it's a pretty high pressure situation because there, you know, as we've talked about a lot on this pod, there are a lot of uncertainties about the financial situation of Inter's ownership, which leads you to believe they're not exactly going to be a free spending club in the next transfer window. So yeah, I think that winning a scudetto this season would really, really be an important thing for them. Uh, I, I will say that a couple of recent results kind of make me feel better about this how this club handles pressure. You know, a few weeks ago, uh, the Serie A win against Juventus was massive. I know that they, they didn't get the results that they wanted in the Coppa Italia tie, but the Serie A win over Juventus was huge. Uh, that was a high-pressure situation, as was the victory over Lazio last week. So I'm I'm feeling about as confident as I can possibly feel before a derby. You never feel great before a derby because these are just the, the, these fixtures. Like you can't really predict a derby based on recent form. You kind of have to throw form out the window. You never know what you're going to get. So I feel about as good as I, I can possibly feel uh, in this sense uh, about, about Inter coming away with a win. I love Jerry your prediction of a goal from a center back on a set piece, and that tends to happen a lot in this fixture. So. 
all just to be a little original, I'm going to give it to DeVry, not to Skriniar, but I like your idea. I like a header from a center back on a set piece. I'm going to go 2-1 Inter. I'm certainly not going to say a clean sheet or a shutout because I think it's going to be hard to keep Ibra off the score sheet. He always scores against Inter. So I'm going to go a goal for Ibra, but I'm going to go a goal for DeVry and a goal for Lukaku for Inter. So I'm going to have it 2-1. And and we'll close it out on that note. I want to send a huge thanks here to our guest, David McFarlane, whose work you can check out at Serpents of Madonina, which is an excellent, excellent Inter site. Uh, anything else, David, you want to promote if you have any stories coming up or where else people can find you? Nope. I'm, I'm, it was a real pleasure to be on the pod with you guys. And thanks a lot for having me. And it's our pleasure, man. And, uh, you're, you're smart. You bring up a lot of good points. Uh, Jerry, anything you want to promote since you're writing for like six different sites these days, I want to make sure. And by the way, Great job on TLN, man. I know people were, were tripping out seeing you on TV. Uh, so really, really good job, man. Uh, what do you call? What's that show called that you're on? I, I like uh, Camila. She's awesome. It's called uh, just TLN. Uh, it's called. Um, yeah, it's a good question actually. It's <laughs> good question actually. Yeah, it's it's called TLN the, the channel, but uh, I think it's just like it's the city ah. I guess yeah, it's just their steady it's, coverage. It's a halftime show with with Camila. Yeah. That's what it's called, halftime show with Camila Gonzalez. But um, yeah, that that for I had a few people ask me, and it's going to be posted on the site uh, as early as tomorrow morning. So once that is up, I will post out a link w- with uh, people who are interested to see it. I did rip on Bonucci on live TV. They did put that in. That was nice. And they did put my uh, Antonio Conte wig comment, which is... And and the best part was I got, I got censored right at the beginning. I, really? I said the F word, which I did not know and don't remember. And I think it was fuck Conte, I, I said. <laughs> or something like that. I don't know what the heck. On national TV. I love that. Yeah, and this TLN channel doesn't censor. It's like a family channel where you like watch cooking and like famous cooks are on there, like Gino DeCampo, or I think that's his name. Um, wow. and a bunch of other like Rocco, and yeah, just a bunch of these other people. But yeah, it, it came out very well. And uh, the, the segment of me basically ripping on Milan came live, that was awesome. And Dude, you had me laughing my ass off when you made that comment about how, oh, this team wins two games in a row and they think they're the best. And she's like, I think it's been a little more than two. You're like, all right, 25, fine. <laughs> Dude, I was, <laughs> they I was put that on up. there. They also put me saying Bonucci's a chooch. That was the best one. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we watch this in the U.S.? I'm um, curious. It, it will be on the, uh, the TLN chat website. Yeah, so it, it was uh, a, a good experience. Uh, hopefully, they, they, they asked me to come on to the Latu versus Juventus because I have, uh, as opposed to this show where I didn't show a lot of hatred to Leo because I have very minimal towards Inter. And uh, when if it's me talking conversely to a Juve fan, I'll have a lot more hatred because I just can't stand Juve. Um, I'm sorry. Um, that's just the way I feel, but yeah, that, that, and I'm have a, uh, been working for the Laziale, some stuff there. That's it. 
Good stuff, man. And make sure everybody follows Jerry on Twitter at jmancini8. Make sure you follow the show at CalchoConPod. Uh, we always enjoy connecting with new people on Twitter. We follow everyone back, by the way. If you follow the at CalchoConPod account, you will get a follow back, guaranteed. Uh, I even, when I'm on there, I even follow back the people who, like, uh, who like uh, limit their followers or whatever, and they have to, like, approve you. So it's weird. Like, I hit follow back. It's like, oh, pending, approve. Dear God, just uh, just just approve it already. Don't leave me in limbo here. And you can follow me on Twitter as well, at Alex Dono. And check out the work that I do. I, I host a daily show, primarily talking North American sports, but we we throw in some some football talk, some soccer, as we call it, on this side of the world as well, at onsideradio.com, daily from 3 until 6 p.m. Eastern time. So awesome job, everybody. For David McFarland, and make sure you check him out. Check out his work at Serpents of Madonina. For Jerry... I'm Alex. We'll talk to you guys next time on another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast. Ciao.